0: Well, uh, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us. Hope you were singing along with that opening hymn. Uh, Allow us to reintroduce ourselves as we gather here this Sunday morning. I'm Pastor Nathan, pastor here at Elk River Lutheran.
2: I'm Lisa Sampson, Director of Children, Youth, and Family Ministry.
3: Jeremy Holquist,
0: Intern Pastor.
1: And I'm Taylor Quinn, the Director of Music, Ministry, and Worship. We're so pleased to have you with us here this
3: first
0: Sunday in Lent, where we are going to hear the scripture reading in a little while, where we hear the story of Jesus' temptation from the Gospel of Mark, and then we'll reflect a little bit about what temptation maybe looks like in our own lives. Uh, But we also are going to hear a poem this morning uh, about geese, of all things. But I think as you listen to the words, you'll hear that it's about much more than geese. And so, uh, first of all, let's join together in praying our prayer of the day, if we could. Let us pray together. God of life, help us change our lives, soften our hearts, help us to repent, and to believe in your good news of wild love and grace. Amen. Well as I said we're going to hear some poetry during the season of Lent and our poem for this morning is Mary Oliver that's our primary poet we'll be hearing from Uh, and it's a poem called wild geese but as I uh, kind of alluded to listen to the words because it's not really about geese (laughs) or at least certainly not just about geese uh, but about us and our relationship with with God and with the world and so uh, we'll continue now by hearing uh, this poem wild geese
2: You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things.
0: Well, that poem, as we said, is called "Wild Geese" by Mary Oliver, and I'm going to allude to it and uh, this one uh, section, that final section of it, uh, again in the sermon. And so you'll be hearing that section again, but all during the season of Lent, if you uh, hear these poems and would like to read them again or uh, read them, you know, kind of over and over again or dig into it, uh, you can pick up the book Devotions by Mary Oliver. Taylor can. Uh, display it here. Uh, It's a wonderful book that you can probably find anywhere you buy books Um, or if you just Google Mary Oliver wild geese you would find the words to that poem and they're posted all the poems are posted in different places different websites uh, around the internet so you can uh, check those out through the season of Lent and so as I said we'll come back to this theme of the wild geese uh, in the sermon time but for now we're going to continue with our scripture reading which comes from the Gospel of Mark and is read by Sarah Chur who is our church council president now as uh, newly elected at our annual meeting. And so, uh, Sarah, we turn it to you to read our scripture reading.
4: The reading today is from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. The spirit that comes upon Jesus at his baptism sustains him when he is tested by Satan so that he might proclaim the good news of God's reign. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and believe in the good news."
0: Well, thank you, Sarah, for reading for us this morning. And so uh, next we have the sermon and I'll share the sermon. So we hear the story of the temptation of Jesus, which uh, you'll notice is quite short in Mark's telling of the story. And one of the things uh, that I've been thinking about, you know, since recording a sermon that you'll hear kind of in this text, in the sermon is that uh, it's a call to repentance and there is a temptation but I don't think the temptation is quite the same how we often experience and think of temptation as like, oh, I'm tempted to have a second piece of cake, or (laughs) I'm tempted to say something bad about someone when I know I shouldn't do that, you know? Like, Jesus was alone in the wilderness, so there wasn't exactly that temptation for him, I don't think. Uh, I think rather the temptation, which we even hear kind of flushed out in the other gospels, was to deny who he was as both the Son of God and fully human that he had this uh, dual reality in his time here on earth where he was fully god and fully human and there's this temptation to deny that and i think that is a temptation we can all uh, relate to as well this temptation to deny who we really are to deny who God has created us to be, and I think when we do that, we experience a sense of loneliness. And I think what Jesus is doing, what Mary Oliver is doing in this poem, is inviting us back into this community, this world that we are, uh, that we have a place in. And and so uh, that is uh, kind of what the sermon is about. What we'll invite you into conversation about following the sermon as well. And so uh, here it is. The other day I was listening to a podcast and the host and his guest, they just started joking around and telling stories and they were really funny and for a little bit, it honestly felt like I was just sitting around with friends and we were swapping stories and laughing, but I wasn't. (laughs) I was alone listening to a podcast all by myself and it made me really realize how often I've felt alone over the last year. Now, I'm fortunate to have Annie and our boys at home with me, and so I've actually physically been alone very little. I mean, with three little kids, I'm not really ever alone. Some of you have been much more isolated. But boy, have I missed more regular contact with people, to sit around over cups of coffee or maybe a beer and to laugh and tell stories. I think that's why Mary Oliver's poem for this morning hit me so hard. She writes this, "'Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, The world offers itself to your imaginations, calls you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. She proclaims the same truth that Jesus does this morning, that you are not alone, that this world needs you. I think both Mary Oliver's poem and the story of Jesus' temptation Calls to not worry so much about being good. I don't think it's just about avoiding temptations to do naughty things, but rather to avoid the temptation to lose touch with who you are, with who God has created you to be. We're not talking then just about a temptation to do wrong, but a temptation to withdraw, to remove ourselves from our place in this world, our place in the family of things. So each year during Lent on a Sunday morning, we usually hear the story of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. The gospel writers, Matthew, Luke, and Mark, they each tell their own versions of the story. And this year our story is told by Mark, and it's the shortest. Here it is. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Wait, what? Just... Two verses. That's it. This is it. (laughs) Mark just hits the high points. Here it is. The Spirit, so God, forces Jesus out into the wilderness. He's there for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan. In the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, it goes into more detail, listing three temptations. Mark doesn't. There are these wild beasts that are mentioned. Kind of violent animals who you would assume would pose a pretty serious threat to anyone in the wilderness, but not Jesus. And then finally, the angels wait on him. In Matthew and Luke that comes at the very end of the temptation. And so, as I read this Gospel of Mark, kind of the Reader's Digest version of the temptation of Jesus, I can't help but see a big theme for Jesus. It's loneliness. Frankly, loneliness is a major part of Jesus' life. Uh, Hear me out, you know, in this story, yes, literally he is alone in the desert for 40 days, out in the wilderness. But for all of his life, he was different. He existed as fully human and fully divine. His whole life he was God, but he was also human. And you all know that anytime a kid, or an adult for that matter, feels different, like really different from everyone around, that's gonna show up as loneliness. And I gotta believe that Jesus felt that. Jesus will surround himself with some really great friends, his disciples who are exceedingly loyal most of the time. One of them in the end will betray him, one will end up denying even knowing him, and in the very last hours of his life before he's arrested, Jesus will beg his disciples to stay awake while he prays, and they don't. That's loneliness. Our journey through the season of Lent will lead us to Good Friday and to a cross for Jesus where he'll speak his final words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is a cry of loneliness. From his temptation right through the cross, there is a vulnerability and loneliness to Jesus' life. But that's not the whole story. Even in this morning's gospel reading, after the temptation, it says this, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Jesus says, right now, things are a-changing. The kingdom of God has come near, meaning that back then when Jesus spoke those words, right up to right now, the kingdom of God is here with us. The kingdom of God, as Jesus will explain all throughout the gospels, is a reality where no one is alone, where we all know how precious we are, created in the image of God, a reality where we all work for justice and peace for all people, where we live as a part of this beloved community. Jesus calls us to repent and believe that good news. Repent, turn away from those notions that you are not enough, that you don't have an important place in this world, that you are alone. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imaginations, calls you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of faith. Last week when I was feeling so sad and jealous of the people in my headphones having such a fun conversation, I felt sorry for myself for a while, but then I moved past those feelings and I turned off the podcast, I picked up the phone and I called a friend and I said, hey, did I ever tell you about the time? And then I launched into some story that maybe he's heard before, maybe not, didn't matter, but we laughed and we shared updates about how our families are doing, what's going on in life, and the world seemed like a better place. The world didn't change, but I did. May we all find and re-find and celebrate our place in the family of things, this family of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, I think what kind of happens here in this this sermon that uh, let me tell you about what I was saying in my sermon. Okay, I feel like I'm saying, but one of the things I was really you know struck by and kind of wrestling with this week were were a couple of words, uh, temptation and repentance, and 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 the wrestling with that led me to the loneliness, which I think we can come back to. But um, I was kind of struck by you know thinking about this temptation in this story and in the temptation of Jesus, even in the telling from the other gospels, isn't so much a temptation uh, to be sinful, uh, but rather, you know, a temptation to to deny who we are, that it's Jesus, you know, being tempted to uh, deny who he is. And, and that's a temptation. I think we're sometimes tempted to not be true to who we are. And, you know, even when we are sinning, that isn't in, in essence like, you know, falling short of, who God has created us to be and called us to be and so then you know thinking about that kind of turns repentance on its head also as you know repentance at its core means to change or to change our mind or to turn and uh, often we think about that as a turning away from the bad back to the good Mm -hmm. but what if we put it back in the context of actually turning to who God has created mm-hmm. you to be. I think it's a way of looking at repentance that is, is bigger than just good and bad, right and wrong. It's embracing who you are and your place in the family of things, as Mary mm-hmm. Oliver says, and in the family of God or the kingdom of God, as Jesus will say, that uh, we have a place and the repenting we need to do is to reclaim and re- embrace that place.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It helps us enter into the story of everybody's story Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. I gotta tell you okay so when I was I got a puppy when I was a young adult out of college and in in learning how to train a puppy uh, you you find out that puppies don't learn by getting angry with them (laughs) they learn by positive reinforcement and I found success when I was training this dog I'm getting Uh, to the point you know my stories are long (laughs) <laughs> so uh, so I found that out by that was true for me you know not negative reinforcement and that's what I like that's yeah and I learned that to train her, it was better to to encourage her in the right things to steer her away mm-hmm. from bad thing bad things I've also learned that in uh, working with choirs sure. um, we as humans respond better to positive reinforcement where we bring out the strength of others rather than shaming one another on your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of us grew up with this idea of temptation and repentance associated with shame mm-hmm. and what we're doing bad and evil in this world and we have to turn from it. And, um, and for me to hear you talk about that repentance isn't that is life-giving.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And I want, oh my gosh, everyone to <laughs> feel that. I mean, that is just life-giving.
0: I think it's a big shift from two kind of primary theological paradise maybe <laughs> is to, to put some you know theological academic language to it but the the notion is much simpler than those terms and that is do we look at the world through the lens of original blessing like in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and you know said it is very good it's good and then when got the humans it actually it's very good you know it's very very good uh, and so we were created good in the image of God or do we start from Sinfulness and brokenness, like the world is broken, we are sinful, and um, I think when you like the way we're talking about temptation and repentance here is starting from a place of original blessing, that that God has created us, blessed us, and then you get you know bring Jesus into the story, you know saved and redeemed us. It's it's you're starting from the same point, a point of blessedness and uh, giftedness, chosenness. Uh, versus the brokenness and sinfulness which are there a part of our reality but it's not the core of our reality Mm -hmm. and so it makes a little different shape so when you think about like the season of Lent is it about uh, a season of oh, I got to do these things to you know you know make you know to make make God like me better or make you know myself (laughs) look better in God's eyes and you know you know Rev- avoid all the temptation to you know eat chocolate or whatever my temptation is, or is it about uh, embracing ways to get back to that core of who has God created me to be, who has God called me to be?
1: Mm-hmm. What's the what's the term for when you whip yourself, punish yourself? The self flagellating, oh. flagellating, not flatulating. Yeah, not that's flat-ulating. something <laughs> that's,
2: that's when you punish someone else. But yeah. but
1: but so it true. seems like. The Lent for us right now, and in in this faith community, isn't about that. It's not about right. self punishment. It's about using it a different way.
3: Yeah, right. I think for me, it's a question of um, is the last word that I hear at the end of every day how terrible I am, or that I am a beloved child of God. Yeah, like there's a difference in how we approach that as our our word of hope. Um, Lent often for me has been very much the pointing the finger yeah. you know uh, doom and damnation kind of response to who we are as people and often I feel confronted that that's not the message I hear in the season of Lent yeah um, it's more about where does God meet us in the positive in the, the who I am called to be and sometimes that means denying some things in me that are terrible yeah um, but living more fully into the places that God has called me to be yeah
0: that's Because that's we do exist as sinners and saints, right? I mean, there is a part of me that's sinful and bad, and I'm not ignoring or denying that. But mm-hmm. well, I also don't want to start there.
4: Right. <laughs> you know, right. and I, I don't
0: want anyone to start there, to start from that point of a realization. Like, I think you can better deal with those shortcomings and imperfections when you start from a place of knowing that you are blessed and loved, that you are beloved. Right.
2: And I think that's easier to do when you know who you are it was sharing that um, when I was younger I always wanted to be somebody else sure. I always wanted to be her and that and because they were you better. a specific person I had a specific person <laughs> Sweet yeah. Anne, and um, yeah. and I think that when we live into who we are it's easier to at the end of the day mm-hmm. to look into that positive and to see ourselves for who we truly are and to have grace for yeah. the things that aren't so great
0: right so one of my kind of funny stories for this is that uh, So the the camp I worked at, the director uh, Marsh Draghi, amazingly talented musician and pastor, you know, so great at so many things and. Uh, my mom told me about one time being at a retreat there. I think it was a women's retreat uh, that he was leading parts of. And at one point, they took them out on the pontoon. And so they were going around the lake on the pontoon, and they got to the end. And uh, Taylor's laughing because I already told him the story. He knows the punchline. But so um, anyway, so then he was docking the pontoon, you know, driving it uh, you know, into the dock. And drove it into the dock, like just bam! Just like everyone's like, you know, shaking on the boat. And he just calmly kind of looked over at the ladies and said, I have other gifts <laughs> yeah. and I, I think I love that uh, I mean one it's just funny but I mean there's such a truth to that right I mean he does have other gifts you know like you could you don't have to be good at everything like not everyone's good at parking the pontoon you know and in the midst of a retreat where he was doing all these other things like the pontoon is probably not the most important thing right mm-hmm. uh, but I love that uh, kind of self-confidence that's not braggadocious mm-hmm. or anything right uh, but that that is confident in uh, in Reality of, of, of grounded in who who he is, who mm-hmm. we are, and uh, I think all of us uh, are, are well served to to approach the world like that. To you know, when we mess up or do something that's really wrong, to remind ourselves, well, we do have other gifts. <laughs> like yeah. we, maybe you know, if we're hurting someone, we maybe you know, not maybe, but need to apologize. Right. If we've you know wronged someone, there's uh, actions that need to be taken to remedy it. Uh, but you know even with that there's the reminders needed i think for us that okay but we are forgiven we are loved we we
3: have other gifts like this doesn't mm-hmm. define us fully
1: mm-hmm. right? go
3: ahead it's, it's curious to me too as you're saying that how often i think about this loneliness and i love that you use this term but when I've made a mistake with someone, my first and kind of internal instinct is to, to turn inward, right? Mm-hmm. To shut in and self isolate and feel bitter or upset with myself. And yet, when I'm living more fully into relationship, even in my wrong, my first instinct is to turn outward yeah. to think about how do I invite other people in, or admit that I'm wrong, mm-hmm. um, or to say I need a little bit of help here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that that nuance of living kind of in an isolated space versus living in that sense of beloved community. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Gosh, you got to be brave though when you admit your wrongs. Right. I mean, I think we don't, for me, I don't admit my wrongs because I feel vulnerable and I could get mm-hmm. hurt worse or, yep. you know, more, but we have to be brave in that because that's where life can be spoken into yourself.
0: That's yeah. the risk. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. It's just
1: risky, but very, <laughs> can be so good.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, uh, Poets see the world in such a different way, and I think one of the things that that struck us listening to the poem together here, and it struck me earlier in the week when I was reading and rereading it too, is when she talks about geese. And you know, I grew up you know in North Dakota on the flyway. Geese came by every spring and every every fall, like lots of them, and uh, and. They are so loud, like you know, they just they just honk, and you know, you know what Mary Oliver gives voice to is kind of like, why do they honk, right? Like, why are they honking and making all this racket? It is literally for no other reason to remind themselves and each other that they're together, <laughs> you know, that they're not alone, that they're they're together. And, you know, because like Jeremy was kind of saying, like, when they fly, like they form by the feel of the wind on their wingtips, like that's how they line up, like they're not saying, Frank, a little more to the left, honk, honk, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's all by feel. The honking is just to remind themselves that they are not alone, they're a flock, and I just think that's such a powerful image for us thinking about us and our friends and our family and our church and our place in the world that we aren't alone and sometimes I feel like we need to honk more often I mean that's the example of me like listening Mm. to a podcast being jealous of people having fun conversations It's like Well, I can have fun conversations still. It's just maybe not in person. It's maybe not, you know, in the ways that it maybe used to happen more naturally. Mm -hmm. But I can still call someone and do that and you know, honk honk, you know, hey, we're here. Honk honk I'm here. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well I think of the messages shared on both sides, Zoom and Facebook, you're honking at each other. Yeah. You're reaching out and touching wingtips and honking and I think that's beautiful.
1: And it's not only letting other people know you're there, but letting them like it's opposite too. How am I saying it? Yeah. Like you, you are going to honk at someone to let them know you're here, but they're also letting you know they're there as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know? And you glad that they're there. Back and forth. You know. you know, I've learned recently that I don't always have to let people talk about themselves when I'm conversating with them. Mm-hmm. I can talk about myself too. Sure. You know, like yeah. that's like a honking back and forth. There's this yeah. balance right. and going back and forth. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I also I also let people know that I'm with them on the road by honking my horn. <laughs> is that a nice honk or a beep 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 beep? I yeah.
4: wish it was that
1: way. It's more like a
0: yeah. I love the example of you know, being in the comments. as kind of honking at each other because I think that really I is. That. You know what we're invited into, and you know, I think, um, I don't know if anyone else has, has other you know, grand wisdom that we, you haven't shared yet that you want to, but one thing that I would love to invite everyone into, and we can reflect on this a little bit too, is to think about what are the things that you have done that have made you feel less alone during this time? Uh, oh, because you know how have you been honking at folks right yeah. like mm-hmm. like how have you been honked at and how have you been honking at others to make you feel less alone because you know, we're all at different kind of you know living situations realities mm-hmm. and you know we're all coming at this you know pandemic you know time in different different ways but what has been those touch points for you where have you felt not alone? What have you been able to do? What have been those blessings for you? And so jump in the comments, honk, honk be your answers yes. to everyone. And, uh, and, and we'll share a little too, but I'd love to have you think about that a little bit. Uh, what have you been doing to fight that feeling of loneliness that creeps in?
2: You know, you hear a lot about Zoom fatigue. Yeah. What would we do without it? Sure. Oh, no yeah. care. That's been my lifeline mm-hmm. between the kids yeah. and myself, my own children yeah. um, and friends. Seeing faces. I mean, it's nice to talk to them and have texts yep. and stuff, but I love zoom even though I'm really tired of it too sometimes yep. but.
0: Yeah
1: Cards we got we've gotten oh. a couple of cards from, oh, yeah. from a, a set of friends that we have and That's fun. that's lovely. Yeah, like I love getting mail. Yeah, I think we talked about it a couple times ago, but yeah, just cards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, our little
0: Stanley made valentines and sent them out to a bunch of people, and um, he had made them and sealed them, so I didn't even know it was in the envelope, so I just addressed them for him, and oh, no. so I was like, well, I hope these are okay, you know, <laughs> and he told me who he wanted to mail them to, so we, we dropped them in the mail, and then we kept getting, you know, photos, for, you know, text messages from the people we sent them to, like, of them with their, you know, their valentines. And they were all really nice and sweet and cute. They weren't all hearts or anything. Some were more like circles and you know, <laughs> you know colorful things but uh but it was it was such a neat thing because it was it was a, a honk like we sent them and then it was like the next week honk honk, honk 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 you know all these kind of messages coming back that message received got it and oh, it was such a beautiful thing
3: love it love it so we have men's Bible study and women's Bible study. I was going to say one of the things that's been joyful for me is life groups. Yeah. Um, getting messages from our leaders oh, yeah. who said they have mm-hmm. amazing groups. Connect. yeah. And they, uh, uh, shameless plug, join a life group. So, yeah. <laughs> but really, I think that opportunity to just see each other's face is huge. Yeah. Yep.
1: Don't take pain, but it might just save your
4: life to be powered by love.